Welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast. I almost forgot what the name is. <laughs> oh, I'm ready to go back to work. I really am. Back April 27th. In April... <laughs> this is just like an evil experiment. That's the way I feel right now. I'm standing in front of this computer way too long. On April 27th, John Tyson said that the supply chain was breaking. And uh, three weeks later, so this is May 13th, three weeks later, the price of beef at the supermarket is up 5%. The price of chicken is up 6%. The price of eggs is up 16%. Three weeks. So I thought I would bring on John Hogue. He's the owner of Straightforward Consulting. And he is a supply chain guru, and he's going to tell you if he thinks the supply chain is breaking and why, and also uh, give his opinion on whether or not he sees these prices continuing to rise. One other thing to remind you, we are coming out of quarantine, thank goodness, and we are unfortunately now going to dip into a recession. So more than ever, we need to help each other. We need to support small business. So don't forget, help your local small business, support your local small business. I thank you very much for that. Next up, John Hogue, owner, Straightforward Consulting. Okay, I'm here with John Hogue from Straightforward Consulting. John, thanks for uh, joining me. Can you uh, start us off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about straightforward consulting, please. Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an original Buffalonian. I'm a, a transplant here, but I've, uh, I like to say I've chosen to live here three times. Um, I moved here to go to college. Uh, I'm from Elmira, which is central New York. Uh, moved here to go to Canisius, and uh, that was the first time. And uh, shortly after school, I started working at Rich Products. And in the mid nineties, I left to go to start uh, a manufacturing facility in the Chicago area with Riches. And then came back in a couple of years to start up a new role in uh, a forecasting manager. And then, uh, so it was the second time I chose. And then um, I think in 2007, I was asked to move to Tennessee and head up all the lean manufacturing operations for nine plants in the Southeast. And I thought, you know what? I've learned an awful lot. I, I uh, had a unique background there. I'm not ready to pull up the tent pegs on Western New York. So I'm going to stick around here and uh, try to make a difference economically for, you know, small to mid-sized companies here in the local area. So that was really the third time that I said, I want to live in Western New York. And that was really right before the big renaissance happened. And uh, I remember saying, I'd, I'd like to be part of the solution. And I, I feel in some way that we are. So it's kind of, it's kind of neat. Um, and it's super rewarding to be, you know, to be a part of with this and see what's going on here uh, locally. So for the business, um, I'm, I'm doing really what I've been doing for 30 some years, um, really providing functional expertise across the entire supply chain. There's a handful of main areas within the supply chain, planning, sourcing, manufacturing, and distribution. And we have expertise across all of those areas. Um, I'm, I'm thankful and luckily, lucky that I was able to have leadership roles across all those areas at Riches. So 
Um, I, I've gone deep into those areas, but to me, the real gold is when you go sideways across those areas and you understand the process implications as opposed to the functional expertise uh, implications within, within a certain portion of the supply chain. We, we do work with some companies that are not manufacturers, uh, but primarily more of our offering is geared toward the manufacturers. Thank you. I thought it would be primarily smaller companies uh, when we first start off, but uh, we've got several clients that are, you know, many billions of dollars in revenue. So uh, it seems to be a really scalable solution. That's great. That's yeah. great. You know what? Um, I, I guess I'd like to start with uh, a recent uh, statement by the uh, uh, chairman of Tyson Foods, John Tyson. He said that this food supply chain is breaking. What, when you heard that, what did you think and, and what's your opinion on that? I, I don't think it's breaking. Um, I think it might be changing a little bit. I think maybe where the constraint is within the total process has changed a little. It's shifted to the processing facility. Um, but the, the distribution infrastructure is in place. The supply infrastructure is in place. Um, I think where he was coming from was a place where, and, and you know, Tyson is a processing facility. They're a $40 billion processing company. They have issue or not just them, but you know, there's a lot of meat processors, food processors, but meat packers in particular that have a lot of issues right now because a lot of their employees have COVID. I think that's where he was coming from. Um, I don't think that there's wholesale changes. I think it's, it's something that we're adapting to. Clearly there's no shortage of materials incoming into the processing facility. Um, if anything, there's too much because the facilities can't handle that. You know, they're, they're, they're dumping milk They're You know, mm -hmm. you've heard all of those sort of things. So I don't think that there's, it's, it's, it's dying or anything like that. I think the focus has shifted to the processing facility. Uh, the demand is still there. The infrastructure is still there. If anything, you know, we have more than enough capacity now, um, especially in the trucking industry because the volume of everything is down. So we have plenty of infrastructure uh, carriers. There's, it's getting very, very aggressive out there uh, right now in pricing and transportation because, because volume is down everywhere. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's uh, it's I don't think the supply chain's broken. So you're you're saying that the uh, the destruction of of all that milk or or letting uh, different vegetables die on the vine and things like that has more to do with there not being enough demand versus no, no. I, versus I, a supply chain issue. No, I think I think right now it's it's a matter of them um, not being able to process it because a lot of if you think of in particular meat packing plants. It's a wet environment. There's a lot of people in there. It's, it's difficult. Um, there's a lot of people in there. Uh, sometimes uh, many of the people in there are not making a ton of money. They might all be working, uh, living together. If families are living together, there's a lot of people living in with those families. So the, the coronavirus is really taking hold within that environment. <clears throat> I think what he's talking about more is that the, the processing plant's inability to process it in a timely enough fashion is causing them to, you know, they're, they're aborting piglets, they're dumping milk. Cows are still, you can't stop the cows from producing milk once they get started. So 
that supply is still there. So I, I think the constraint has moved to the processing facility and they're just not able to, to keep up with the incoming and you can't stop the milk from processing, uh, a cow from processing the milk. Um, right, and, right. and I'm not an expert on, on the meat side, but I know that, you know, the, the period from when a, a chicken is born to when it's harvested, you know, they're that they've got that down to the day. So, you know, if that stuff slows down, it, it's difficult to stay on top of that. Right. Right. So you're saying it's not breaking, it's adjusting. Um, how, so what are the adjustments that you expect to see? Well, I mean, if you think about, if you think about now in, in, on the food side, think of the changes in the food service, right? I mean, so many restaurants are certainly the take, the, the, the takeout portion is open for some restaurants, but so many of them have, there's no sit down meals. Uh, schools are closed. So I think the studies show that when we eat at home, we're eating less food than what we would eat at a restaurant. Um, kids are drinking less milk than they would at school. New York just closed schools to the rest of the semester. So there are the, those sort of, I'll call them more micro changes, because uh, I don't think they're going to be long lasting. Uh, maybe a little, you know, it might take a while before people start going back to restaurants the way they were before once things open up. Um, but that's kind of where, where my head is on that. Do you, do you see any changes uh, that uh, uh, will happen and that will remain because of what we're seeing with COVID-19? Globally or are more on the macro level? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about uh, concern of the food supply chain, the medical supply chain, um, you know, pharmaceuticals, uh, defense, that sort of thing. And defense has certainly always been very close to home here, but bringing some of these other supply chains and repatriating them and getting the manufacturing back into the States. So, you know, uh, everyone knows that we've got an awful lot of food coming from China. Uh, India is a huge manufacturer of private label pharmaceuticals. So the question is, how do, they, how do they come back to the United States if we have higher labor? Because that's why, that's what drove them to these other countries in the first place. So I'm thinking what's going to happen is, does that mean, yes, we might be bringing manufacturing back to the States, but it could also mean a lot more robotics going on because you need to have the manufacturing here, but you don't want to have the high labor costs associated with it. So does that mean that we'll have, you know, a high degree of robotics more so than we currently have? And that's what we need to do to bring, you know, to bring it back to the States cost efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there might also be more of a reliance on uh, Mexican labor, just Mexico? Could be. It's a, it's a closer supply chain. Um, you know, I've, I've, there's a lot of questions out there, especially, you know, people questioning lean and what does this mean from an inventory level? And see, I told you lean people that uh, we need to have more inventory. And, and so people are questioning the extended supply chain because it's so difficult to, to respond quickly to something like this. Um, I am not a fan. I'm not somebody to say, you always need to have the inventory for the hundred year flood because I mean, when is the last time you had something like this? Companies would choke to death on their balance sheets if they try to have inventory 
to provide for this sort of situation. But it does give them ammunition to say, see, I told you we need to have something different here. And I think that the answer is, I don't think the answer is inventory. I think it's more, you need to have a responsive supply chain. You need to work with your suppliers and with your customers to really understand those demand signals. And as soon as you detect something changing upstream, which is, or downstream, which is with your customers, you've got to communicate that back upstream and really work with those suppliers to get, you know, to get the, the ball moving right away and don't rely on the inventory to take the place of that information. Yeah. Good yeah. supply chain in my mind replaces inventory with information. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, I am curious, how is this going to affect us locally? You know, the small business, uh, are prices going to, do you see prices increasing or what, what do you see? You know, um, it might increase a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. Uh, I think going back to your first question about John Tyson's comments, if anything, I think they maybe caused a run on, on the stores, you know, similar to uh, the run initially six weeks ago with toilet paper. Um, you know, it takes, there's, there's inventory in the supply chain. There's, there's materials ready to be processed. So I think that comment did cause, I think it caused the run and then people are posting on, on social media. See, he's right there. You know, there Wegmans is out of meat. So I, I think it's going to be short term in general. Um, if anything, you know, demand is down here. So if there's, if there's a slowdown or a reduction in the throughput coming out of those plants, I hate to say it's a good time, but it's, it's an interesting time because the demand is down also. So our patterns are shifting. I mean, we're, we're still eating, but we're eating at home. So the, the quantities and the types of foods are different a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now you had mentioned the, for the smaller business to have a more responsive supply chain. Yeah. Um, can you dive a little deeper and explain? Cause it's like a lot of these small business manufacturing, anybody, uh, probably feels they don't that they're on a roller coaster more than they have control over these things. Yeah. So yeah. what can, what can they do? Well, I think, you know, I tell you the the best ones started think, well, the best ones were doing this well before this hit, but for those that didn't have it, you know, they should have been at this mid March, late March when they had some downtime, but to think about your supply chain um, at the end of the day, a supply chain can be, designed to deliver one of five things. It can be all about delivery reliability, which is how well am I keeping my promises to my customers? Um, responsiveness, how long does it take for me to process an order and get it delivered to my customer? Agility, how quickly can I respond to uh, a huge change up or down in demand without ongoing cost implications? Uh, cost but cost management would be the fourth one and asset management would be the fifth one. And depending on what sort of customers you, you have and what they require from you would dictate which of those, which attributes are more important than others. So I've done a lot of exercises with companies that would prioritize those five attributes. You don't want to, you can't ignore any of them but you've got, to, you've got to choose, right? You've got to choose which ones you want to be best at. Um, and if I were to ask you who's, you know, and, and I, asked, I used to, when I was teaching at Niagara, I would ask my class, the students, 
give me an idea of uh, somebody who's really good at responsiveness. And, and they would either say, you know, FedEx or Amazon. So clearly those are companies that have chosen to say, we're going to be all about responsiveness. So therefore all of our suppliers are in sync with that. All of our processes are in sync with that. No one's go, no one is complaining about the pricing with FedEx, right? No one is, is trying to shop FedEx. They're going to FedEx because they need product to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Other companies, you know, if you're dealing with, you know, big, uh, big companies that have ERP systems, they don't, you know, in more of a B2B environment, they don't need you to turn around and ship something today for tomorrow. They have ERP systems and purchasing processes that tell them when to order and how to hold inventory. So those sort of setups are really more like a, it's much more about reliability. I can handle it if it's going to take you a week to, to get my order to me, but you better ship it in full and it better get here. If you're telling me I'm going to get it next Tuesday, it better be here next Tuesday because that's mm -hmm. what I'm planning for. So it's a little bit different, right? It, it's reliability is that they're all different, but you've got to understand why your customers are buying from you and then design your processes because that's ultimately, that's your overall strategy, right? Who, who are you serving? You know, who, what products are you providing? Who are they, you know, who are, and who's buying them, right? How you yeah. service them, that defines how your supply chain needs to be designed. And that supports the overall process. It's no different, Tony, than say, you wanna build a new house and, and you, you, you ask a home builder to come in and, uh, and you say, I'm gonna go on vacation for six months, but I want you to build me a, uh, a four bedroom, two and a half bath house and you leave and you come back in six months and he's built that house for you and it's a ranch and you wanted a colonial. Mm -hmm. You wanted a two story colonial. He's got a, a ranch or something contemporary, right? He met your needs, but you didn't give him any blueprints, right? If you didn't tell him, if you didn't give him any design specs of what to expect, he built what he thought you wanted. It's no different than in the supply chain. When, when you're trying to decide how to fit all these things together, you've got to decide what it is you're trying to build. Are you trying to build a low cost supply chain? Are you trying to build a reliable supply chain? You're trying to build a responsive supply chain. You've got to answer that question first before you start building it. Is there, is there anything that, that you've created that you can share uh, with, uh, with the listeners that might help them figure that out, these five attributes? Absolutely. I, I'm thinking of a few things that I share with clients. Um, there's a couple pages worth and, and we can walk them through how to make that decision from, you know, strategically, which of those five attributes you want. And, and it helps them, you know, which, which questions are you asking to get to that answer? And then ultimately what metrics do you need to have for each of those five attributes? Yeah, I can do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that I'm would be great because we could throw that in the show notes. Yeah, and I think that would be helpful. Um, currently, with the current COVID situation, are you? What do you? What are some of the questions that some of your clients are asking you, or or, or something that they they want you to focus in on uh, because they need help with that right now? Um, I, I tell you what, the thing that I'm getting the most. Uh, questions on right now is transportation. Um, and I don't know if it's because for the most part, most of my clients still have a 
no visitor policy. Mm-hmm. I, I did today or this week was the first time since mid-March I was able to get back into some of my clients. And it's a great time to be looking for freight right now because the market is soft because demand is down. And, and we're in particular on the LTL side, um, we're in the negotiations right now with a few carriers. Uh, our initial estimates, um, one client's gonna see over a 40% reduction and the other's gonna be around 24% reduction. Wow. So incredible savings, yeah. So demand is down due to the quarantine throughout well, the demand, country. Well, demand is down because of that. So the carriers are being, uh, they're being very aggressive. So that is part of it. Um, but the other part of it is, um, we have a pretty unique fuel surcharge and um, most carriers right now are probably in the low twenties on their surcharge. Our, our clients are paying 6%. So the surcharge is essentially what percentage uh, factor they're multiplying the base rate by to give you your total. So it's a way, and this has been around for 20 some years at least, instead of once fuel started to become really volatile, years ago, instead of these carriers changing their rates all the time, they kept the rates but had a fuel surcharge. So essentially every week, the surcharge changes. So if it cost you you know, $100 to ship something from point A to point B, well, the $100 is really gonna be $120 because there's a 20% fuel surcharge. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's updated weekly based on the price of fuel and, and all that. So, um, but we, we have a real aggressive fuel surcharge where, you know, it's ours is a sliding scale. Other carriers uh, have a sliding scale, but uh, I think they have a lot of profit built into theirs. Um, so we're at six percent right now. Most most companies are probably paying twenty to twenty-two percent. Oh, great! That's yeah. great. Wow. <clears throat> well, and you know what? It's it's one of those things that it's a it's it's painless to do, and you know, going back to one of your first interviews when this whole thing started cash is king mm-hmm. you know so if you uh if you can save some money and it's painless and it's low-hanging fruit and it's not impacting your customers it's a great time to go do it that's the truth that's yeah. great now we're all in quarantine as you had uh, mentioned um so who are you in quarantine with and how's that working out for you uh you know it, it honestly it hasn't changed a ton uh we're, uh, it's my, my wife and my two daughters, um, but my wife homeschooled. So, uh, and the governor didn't change hers. They didn't, they didn't shut down her school yet. So it really hasn't changed them. Um, you know, they, they've been cranking on since this thing happened. Uh, the only change is my daughter came home from college uh, for spring break, which was the week before they canceled everything. So, She's and she's taking 18 credit hours this semester, and uh, she's done it for the most part since early May without any of her textbooks because she came back from spring break and didn't bring any books. So, uh, and you know, and she, her school is in Ohio, and they've had a state of emergency, so you couldn't physically go get the book. So, mm-hmm. we had to make an appointment. We're going next Saturday, so it's been an adjustment for her, um, but. She's ending her sophomore year and I, you know, she's not a senior and I, I feel horrible for these high school and, and college graduates that are losing out on the second half of their senior or last senior semester. It's horrible. 
Yeah, sure is. Yeah, my yeah. daughter's a high school senior and oh. uh, school's up. So that's, yeah. that's over. Yeah, I, I, it's horrible. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, well, it, it is unfortunate, but everybody understands, you yeah. know, even yeah. she understands. Um, so with your spare time, what are you, uh, you reading any good books or watching any good shows? What are you doing in your spare time? Oh, well, it's probably a bad habit to admit to, but uh, our family's been playing a lot of cards lately. <laughs> nice. Well, what kind of card games? Uh, gin rummy. Very I nice. I, mean, I, I probably have not played that since, gosh, I, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been, 20, 30 years. So it took us a while to remember how to do it. Uh, but uh, my daughter is usually beating us pretty pretty consistently too. Um, but I'm just waiting for the nice weather to get out. You know, I mean, I think weather-wise, we had a better March than we had April. You know, April seemed really wet. So we're yeah. kind of itching to get outside and get some lawn work done and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. That's coming soon. Yeah. Well, John Hogue, uh, owner of Straightforward Consulting. If, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, two ways. You could email me, uh, John H at straight-forwardconsulting.com uh, or my cell is 866-8958. That's a 716. 716. Yeah, That's 716. Right. Yeah. John, thank you very much for your time. Thank I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Tony. Take care and stay safe. Okay, thank you. Same you to you. Bye-bye. Okay, I am here with John Hogg. It's Hogg, right? No, it's Hogg. Dang it. I knew it. I, I, you know, I want to say hog all the time. It's uh, you know what? Um, the best I, you know what I, I, uh, we were going over to Ireland once and I had this British woman sitting next to me on the plane and she says, uh, you know, the you know, she asked me my name. I told her, so how do you spell it? And I said, H O G G. She goes, Oh, that's, uh, that's hog. Cause that's, it's a British name and that's what the British say. And I said, well, how would you say it if it was your last name? And she says, good point. <laughs> so that's my answer. It's Hoke. It was always Hoke when I was a kid. You got it. All right, let's uh, make sure the record's on. All right, here we go. <clears throat>